Hope, uh, wow, look at you. You look great. I'm really glad to be here today. We started a new time for our traditional service down the hall in the chapel today at 9 o'clock. So I got to preach at 8, and I got to run down there and preach in the chapel. And now back here, it's, it's, a, it's a good run, literally. Uh, but I, So I'm a little bit discombobulated. Also, I'm holding this today to run my screens for the sermon because Mary, who usually has, she's been doing my PowerPoint screens during sermons for like over 15 years. She reads my mind. She like gets me just right every time. She's on a well-deserved vacation. My wife's in Chicago uh, with her uh, mother who's uh, had some health issues and, and her dad. She's flying home right now. I don't even know if what I'm wearing matches. So, so could you turn to the person next to you and just say, have some grace for him today. He's a little, a little bit lost up here. But I could not be more excited about this new sermon series. I mean, I, I, I'm excited about every sermon ever, but in every series ever, but I don't know the last time I've been this excited, because I think this is what our world needs. I think it's what we need. I think we need to be reminded of, of what God has to say to us about how to live out this life, how to do life is what we're calling it, and, and we're taking a very deep look at the Ten Commandments in nine weeks, and let's get this out of the way right, right off the top. Why are we doing it in nine weeks? Okay, so the Ten Commandments are listed in two different places in the Bible, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And three other times in the Old Testament, they're referred to as the Ten, everyone say Ten, ten. as the Ten Commandments. So we know there are Ten Commandments, but we're humans and we can't agree on how to number them. So there's the Jewish system of numbering, there's the Catholic Lutheran Orthodox system, which is the right one, and then there's the Reformed, I'm kidding, who knows? There's the Reformed Anglican and other Protestant systems. So here's the thing. You could be talking about the Seventh Commandment, and what you mean is don't commit adultery, but what Lutherans, Catholics, and Greek Orthodox would mean is uh, do not steal because we number them different. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 list the Ten Commandments. They're referred to as Ten Commandments later in the Bible, but they aren't given numbers on the list. It's not like, and, here, and God said, here's the Third Commandment. So we don't know. So when I'm talking about the fourth or the fifth or the eighth or whatever commandment it is, I'm using this because this is Lutheran Church of Hope. It's not because we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. It's just you need some reference along the way. But I'll try to make it clear which one I'm talking about as we go to. So let's start from the top. Before God says, here's the list of rules, do this, don't do that, he reminds us of his covenant with us, uh, with his people, the Israelites back in the day specifically. I'll be your God, you'll be my people, and these Ten Commandments are the thing that'll keep us knitted together, it'll keep us close. A covenant is a sacred trust, it's a contract, it's a holy one, it, it, it's, a, it's a relationship God established with the Israelites, uh, the, the, the Hebrews back in the days of Abraham, and now he's re-upping with Moses as they move from slavery in Egypt to the freedom of a new life in a promised land. On their journey from Egypt to the promised land, he gives the Ten Commandments. And he starts not by saying, do this, don't do that. He starts by saying, let me remind you of the covenant. Let me remind you who I am. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. There's another aspect to that. And then he gives the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. Everyone say, no other gods. <laughs> Wherever you are, Waukee, Grimes, Ankeny, uh, Hope Elam, Hope Ames, local sites. I want to say hi to Kansas City. I don't know why. They're just in my heart right now. So hi, Kansas City and everybody else, all of our other sites. Those of you watching online, wherever you might be, 
We just had a couple of pastors in Denmark for a conference from Hope. So hello to all the Danish people. The pastors both came back and said, you wouldn't believe how many people watch our services in Denmark every week. That's crazy. So yeah, mangatak uh, to all of you in Denmark. Everyone say, no other gods. Now let's say it in Danish. <laughs> I don't know how to say it in Danish, so somebody said it out there in the world right now. No other gods. Because I have this relationship with you, I want you to put me first. Jesus will say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added unto you. God thinks so much of these Ten Commandments that he says, put them in a special ark. That's Indiana Jones over there on the right, in case you didn't recognize him, Harrison Ford. This is a movie that came out. This is going to make some of you feel old. Some of you weren't even born. It won't hurt you at all. It's 41 years old, this movie. I told you it would hurt. I tried to warn you, all right? So when this movie came out, it was all the rage. It, it still kind of is. It's one of the just a, a great classic movie. It sort of saved movies back in the early 80s because they were all tanking and then everyone started going back to the theaters because they wanted to see this, kind of like Top Gun Maverick, although this is cooler, even though, yeah, anyway. There's, there's this. God says to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones that were destroyed when you came down the mountain. Also make a wooden ark that's surrounded with gold. He gives all sorts of detail what this ark is supposed to look like, a sacred chest to store them in. I'm the Lord your God. Before God gives the commandments, let me remind you of our relationship. And for us living in the new covenant, covenant, by the way, also means testament. So we're living as people of the New Testament and beyond, and these folks were living with the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. The New Covenant is a whole lot like the Old Covenant in the sense that we're slaves to our sin and we're set free through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our Red Sea. The Red Sea for the Israelites from slavery to the freedom of a new life in a promised land is a literal Red Sea. Remember my power. Remember who I am. Remember what I can do. I would encourage you, Hope, or those of you who are brand new to Hope today, I would encourage you to approach this series of sermons over the next nine weeks humbly, reverently. I would encourage you to be teachable, to be changeable, to come into these things, not as somebody says, well, I already know the Ten Commandments, I've got them memorized, I've got them down, or, or maybe I've got a couple of them off a little bit, but I, I generally get the story. I really don't need this series. I, I would encourage you to stop putting God in a comfortable little box of your own making or my own making. I'm tempted to do the same thing, where the boundaries are right, where conveniently I want them to be. The bottom, the cover, the, the, the lock, the way it all fits together. And now I've told God who God is. Well, there's a big problem with that. I don't get to vote on it if I care about truth. The reality is, is God is God and not who we want God to be. Open the box, which takes humility, which takes a humble heart, a teachable heart, a changeable heart. Open up the box and let God be God again. Let God be majestic. Let God be glorious. I know it's kind of spiritually trendy these days to say, uh, well, I'm going to put God in that little box and conveniently it's just my comfort zones and God's my buddy, God's my pal, God's my friend, God's my daddy. You know what? That's all true. God is all of those things. 
But God is also the one who has the power to create the universe by speaking it into existence with words. God's the one who can make you, a human body, intricately, fearfully, and wonderfully made by breathing his life, his spirit, the breath of his wind into the dust and making it a living human being with a soul. So that you're not just a physical body, you're a spiritual being. Let God be God. Let God be that. Let God be the creator of the universe and of you. Let God be the one who when he says, I am your God, yes, I am your father. Yes, I am your friend. Yes, I am your pal. Yes, I am. But I am also the omniscient, omnipresent, glorious, majestic, and holy one. And there is no one like me. That's the God who gives us his commandments. That's the God who reveals these things for us. That's the God who said, my commands for you are so important, I'm gonna give you detailed instructions on where to put them. Talk about a box, God creates his own. This is who I am. And when you finally make it to the promised land and, and generations later, you're gonna build a temple, you're gonna build the whole temple around this ark. Turns out Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's a fictional story of a movie from 1981, it's a real ark. That ark was at the center of the temple in the holy city of Jerusalem. And, and everything was built around it. It was in a room called the Holy of Holies. The place where only one priest once a year designated could go in and make an atonement for the sins of all of God's children. My ten commandments are in that box. I reside there. And there were other instructions in Exodus that said, don't let anybody touch it because they'll get zapped. They will, they will like vaporize, they'll, they'll be gone. That's the God we worship, the God of power. The God we fear, not in a, oh, God's gonna punish us in a way where we forget that God's grace is amazing and that there's a cross and an empty tomb, but we have a reverent fear of God, an awesome respect that God is in a category all to himself. And there's nothing else in life that comes close. Now hear the first commandment again. You shall have no other gods before me because there's no other God like me. And I'm telling you this, God says, because I want you to live a full life. Not telling you this because I need you to be obedient for the sake of obedience. I need you to be obedient for the sake of you, for the sake of the world that you're in. It's what the world needs now, to let God be God. I don't want to just talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark and not show you a short little clip, so... Take a look at this, because they get this one biblically right. Dr. Jones, now you, you must understand that this is all strictly confidential, right? I understand. Uh, <clears throat> yesterday afternoon, our European sections intercepted a, a German communique that was sent from Cairo to Berlin. Now, you see, I... over the last two now... years, the Nazis have had teams of archaeologists running around the world looking for all kinds of religious artifacts. Hitler's a nut on the subject. He's crazy. He's obsessed with the occult. And right now, apparently, there's some kind of German archaeological dig going on in the desert outside of Cairo. Now, we've got some information here, but we can't make anything out of it, and maybe you can. Tannis development proceeding. Acquire headpiece staff of Ra, Abner Ravenwood, U.S. Nazis have discovered Tannis. Just what does that mean to you, uh, Tannis? Well, well the city of Tannis is one of the possible resting places of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark? 
Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. What do you what mean, do you mean the Commandments? You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes, the actual Ten Commandments, the original stone tablets that Moses brought down out of Mount Harab and smashed, if you believe in that sort of thing. Did you guys ever go to Sunday school? Well, I... Oh, well, look. The Hebrews took the broken pieces and put them in the Ark. When they settled in Canaan, they put the Ark in a place called the Temple of Solomon. In Jerusalem. Where it stayed for many years until all of a sudden, whoosh, is gone. Where? Well, nobody knows where or when. There's a picture of it right here. That's it. Good God. Yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. Uh, now what's that supposed to be coming out of there? Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. Yeah, the power of God or something. Any of you guys ever go to Sunday school, Indy says? That's the part they got right. I don't really know if there was an ark and Hitler and all that. So that's fictional. But they got the biblical part of it right. If you went to Sunday school, you know there's this ark. And this, this ark contains the Ten Commandments and some other things too that, that, that reminds God's people that God resides with us. Let's take a look at some numbers. I, I put them up here on, on the board and, and I'll talk you through them. These, these are important for us to understand the Ten Commandments in a biblically faithful way. Everyone say 613. There's 613 laws in the Torah. The Torah are the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They contain all the commands of God. 613 commands of God that are there and so this is where a lot of people start to trip up. They say there's 613 laws, but some of them are really kind of, you know, bizarre in a way. Like stuff about what you eat, eating certain kinds of pork and, and not others and, and this and that. And, and how do we do that? And, and if we aren't careful, we'll fall into another ditch, which is an ancient heresy called Martianism, where we say, well, the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. We just throw that into the rubbish heap, and we're New Testament, New Covenant people, and so it doesn't matter. If it's Old Testament, it doesn't matter. That doesn't apply to us anymore. We're just New Testament people. There's another heresy called antinomianism, which says, we don't need the law anymore. We're spiritual beings. We, we got Jesus, and so the, the law doesn't matter. And that's close. That's close. The law doesn't save us, and we'll get to that in a minute. But let's go back to these 613 laws first, because this is important as a foundational brick upon which to build the rest of the Ten Commandments wall. There are timeless laws, and there are contextual laws amongst these 613. The timeless laws tend to be moral laws. That's often what they're called. The contextual laws are sometimes labeled, if you read about this somewhere else, as ceremonial laws, or as normative or civil laws. But for those who want to fall into any of those heresies, Martianism or antinomianism, which says we don't need the law anymore, Martianism, we don't need the Old Testament anymore, do you know that love your neighbors yourself is an Old Testament law and Jesus is just quoting it? And so is the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5. It's not a New Testament invention. It's an Old Testament law that Jesus just said, this one's timeless. This one continues on. That's in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and the very next verse. So those who would say, oh, well, you know, different verses and totally different books of the Bible, maybe the ones in this book count and the ones in this book don't. How many times have you heard people say Leviticus doesn't matter? For those of you who can get into those debates. It does matter. Otherwise, love your neighbor doesn't happen. 
But the very next verse says, do not wear clothing woven from different kinds of, two different kinds of thread. Anybody want to check your tags real quick? Bunch of sinners. Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've got different fabrics going on here, too, and threads. So if we say, well, we take all of God's laws seriously, which is another ditch, kind of self-righteous, uh, religiosity-type folks go there. So we keep all the laws. We uphold all 613 laws. No, you probably don't. You probably don't. And there's all sorts of other examples where it's clearly contextual. Context Why did God give a law about not wearing a shirt that has two different kinds of thread in it? We don't know for sure. But most biblical scholars suggest, and I think that they probably are onto something here, there had to be a reason, because if you look consistently at God's laws, they're always given for the benefit of a community. They're always given for the benefit of relationships. And so scholars say these two threads probably in that particular time, maybe one of the threads was tainted, and so you put that thread with good thread, and people are getting rashes or having illnesses or getting sick, and God loves his people and he doesn't want them to get sick, so he says don't do it. Does that mean we should never do it in 2022? We, we shouldn't wear shirts with two different threads? Or, or, or that we should never eat bacon again? Oh, that would be horrendous. That would be unheavenly in a lot of ways, right? God gives us a word on this. He says there are contextual laws that were clearly written for a context in a particular time. But the timeless laws remind us not to fall into the heresy of Martianism or antinomianism where we erase the law or where we or say it doesn't apply anymore or it doesn't make any difference anymore. It does. And it's not that hard to figure out the difference between the timeless and the contextual laws. More on that as we go through this series, but that's it for now. I just wanted to set the table there. Everyone say 10. 10 commandments. 613 laws, 10 commandments. This in Hebrew is hadabarim eserat. It means commandments 10. Hebrew's written backwards for English readers and speakers. The Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, and the stone tablets. Three different times in scripture, it's referred to as the Ten Commandments, as I said before. So we've got 613 laws, but we've got Ten Commandments, and these stand out, and they're highlighted by God because these are the only ones that later in scripture say they were written by the very finger of God's hand. The other 603 don't say that. These, God is highlighting, saying pay particular attention to these 10. Everybody say one. one. 613 laws, 10 commandments, one command in the New Testament that sums them all up. Love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, that's in Deuteronomy, or Leviticus 19, as we just saw too. Let me give you a, an illustration here, a story. How many of you are Iowa State Cyclone football fans? Just raise your hand, about half the church. That's what I expected. This is Bryce. He's the field goal kicker for Iowa State. And I purposely put his picture up here because I think he's 19 years old. He's a, technically a man, 19. He's, I don't think he's shaving every day just from taking a look at that picture. He's a kid from my perspective. And he is getting beat up by this community, Central Iowa, Cyclone Nation. How can we get a kicker like this on our team? You mean a five-star field goal kicking recruit from high school in Oklahoma who is considered one of the best kickers in America? How do we get him on our team? We're blessed to have him on our team. He had a bad day. 
He missed a field goal that would have tied the game. He missed two other field goals that maybe would have won the game. How many of you, let's, let's actually do congregation participation, whatever campus you're at, whatever local site in Denmark, wherever you are uh, around the world, raise your hand if you've ever had a bad day at work. Just go ahead and raise your hand. If you, if you kind of missed, if you kind of messed up, if you sort of made some mistakes, get my hands and both feet up if I could. He had a bad day on the football field yesterday. But that doesn't make him a bad human being. It doesn't make him a bad kicker. Do you know who's going to lose their balance on that one? People who have other gods. People who worship cyclones or Hawkeyes or Panthers or Bears or Cubs or Vikings or Packers or whoever as the most important thing in my life or certainly more important than God. I also put this picture up over here. This is Jake. You know Jake if you've been around Hope for a while. He grew up in this church. Hope Kids, Power Life, Ignition. Now he's up in Ames and he's a small group Bible study leader. Danny, my son, is uh, the campus pastor up there. He says Jake not only shows up and leads the Bible study, he's one of our best leaders. He um, brings a whole bunch of teammates from the football team every week to our worship service called Kairos. And you can usually tell who's who when it comes to that because the football players tend to be a little larger human beings than average. And so when they come in, you kind of notice Jake's an offensive lineman for the Cyclones. When he started his first year, he was just blowing people away. And he got hurt last year. He's still dealing with some injuries this year. And, and if he ever gets through those, he'll be back in there and could be an NFL prospect. He's a super talented football player. But he's deeper than that. He's deeper than that. The whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So did you see the game, any of you? I didn't. I was here, but then our son Danny sent a video of it. He says, you got to watch this. Ch check this out. So Bryce misses the last field goal with under a minute to go, which would have tied the game. And he's crushed. You can tell by his, just his body, his physical demeanor. He's got his, he walks all the way to the sidelines with his hands on his helmet like this. And he walks through the sidelines. And you know, when you get there and you're the kicker who missed, everyone's looking the other way, almost everyone. And they're like, oh, don't get around. He's all by himself. Just a teenager. I announced the games at Northwest High School in Waukee. It drives me crazy. When, when, when we name the names, announcers or referees, now they have Mike say, holding number 72. Kid's 15. Everyone, boo! Oh, what kind of a 15-year-old kid are you? I'm a 15-year-old kid. I held. I'm sorry. If somebody throws an interception in a game I'm announcing, I will never name the quarterback on that interception. If somebody fumbles, you'll notice if you're ever at one of the games I announce, I'll never say who fumbled. They're kids. Have some grace. Have some love. These are not professional football players. Well, I mean, I know now they're getting some money in college, and that's a whole different thing, but that's a different sermon for a different day. He's devastated until Jake Remsburg makes a beeline for him, comes up to him, embraces him, puts his arm around him. Our son Danny and Jake texted later that night, and Jake just said, hey, you know, humbly, Jake's humble, humble dude. God's given me this platform. I'm here to glorify him not to glorify me.
it's not just when the camera's on you on national TV. You could say, oh, Jake must have known the camera would be on him. Everyone's human. I, I get it. But I'll guarantee you that's who he is behind the scenes too. Who are you? Who gets your love when nobody's going to notice? When you'll never get any credit for it? What if you aren't going to get anything back for it? Who, who gets your best? Who gets your alignment with God? I have no other gods. God comes first and because he does, I'm going to live out this commandment to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to fulfill the, all of the Ten Commandments by doing this consistently on a regular basis. Jesus says, that's it, it's love. You must love the Lord your God. Everyone say, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor. Say, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. as yourself. No other commandment. You don't have to say that. I'm sorry. I didn't make that clear. That was on me. I'm having a bad day. I'll try to kick it back in gear. No other commandment is greater than these. What if you started booing? He made a mistake in the sermon. Boo! <laughs> Thanks for not doing that. I hope I didn't just give you a suggestion. Love your neighbor. Love God. These are the greatest commandments. When we live for God first, these things happen naturally. If I live for me first, I'm going to forget to do that more often than not. I'm going to miss the opportunities. I'm going to be the teammate who's like, I'm not talking to that kicker. He just lost the game for us. Uh, I'm going to be the fan who gets on social media and says, what a joke of a kicker we have. This is ridiculous. And all of a sudden, the, also at the same time, what kind of a coach would allow this? The same coach we were like begging to stay at Iowa State last week because Nebraska, you know, the, the heathens from the West are trying to recruit him apparently, some rumor. So now we don't want to lose him until he loses the game. Then you know what? Let me pack your bags for you. Where's the love? Where's the balance in that? How come we've lost our balance? How have we lost our balance so easily? We've lost sight of God. We've lost sight of his curbs and his mirrors and, and his maps and his guides. We, we, we don't see God as an out-of-the-box God. We don't have reverence and respect and humility before a holy God. We have dared to have the audaciousness to try to tell God who God is in our comfortable little box. Commandments shake all of that up. I hope you're teachable. I hope I am too on this series. If you have other plans the next nine weeks, you might want to change them or make sure you can get online at the very least. Because God's got a word for us here. God's got a word for our world. Invite your friends. Tell them to come and meet the God who has a better life for us, the one we're missing. God has joy for us that we're missing out on because we're chasing the wind of, of worldly success. We've lost our balance on these things. We've lost our love. God's love for us and then naturally pouring out of us. And so God, Jesus says, love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbors yourself. These are the two tables. Everyone say two tables. So there's 613 laws, 10 commandments, one summary statement in Galatians 5, love, and then there's two tables or two tablets. These are the two tablets Moses carries down from the mountain, and there's two different sections of the 10 commandments which will help you sort them out. But it'll also remind you of this, they're all about relationships, and that's where the good life is to be found. The abundant life, true wealth. The 
first table of tablets is about us and our relationship with God, the vertical table, if you will. The second table, commandments 4 through 10, in the Lutheran numbering system is us and others. It's all about relationships. Every single one of God's highlighted 10 commandments are about relationships because God knows I created you to find riches and wealth and abundance in those relationships. And if you forget that and start thinking you're going to get riches and wealth and abundance in anything less, you're going to miss the joy, you're going to miss the peace, you're going to miss the abundance, you're going to miss the life. Even if you successfully achieve it. Oh, how we need this word, this corrective, this call. Turn back to God. Seek the Lord while he may be found, the, the scriptures proclaim. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways. Turn around. And the unrighteous their thoughts. Turn to me, God says. So the last number on the board is three. 613 laws, 10 commandments, one summary statement, two tablets, and three uses of the law. This is really important. One of the greatest contributions that Martin Luther and the other Protestant reformers and now today Lutherans bring theologically to the table of the whole Christian church is this. Luther said, you have to know the difference between the law and the gospel. That's God calling right now to say, you have to know the difference between the law and the gospel. <laughs> this is a really important point. I don't want you to miss it. He said, preachers, when you preach, you have to know, am I preaching law or gospel in this part of my sermon? When you read scripture, you have to know, because if you don't, you're going to fall into a ditch. If you make the gospel the law, and you say, well, God's grace is kind of conditional, it's only for people who are, you know, righteous and good and, and, and do holy things and, and, and Christian type things, whatever your list of those things are, we fall into a ditch. If we make the law the gospel, we say, well, the, the way I'm going to earn my salvation is by doing all these good things, the law has a purpose. It has three uses. The gospel has a purpose. The gospel is the good news of God's love, his amazing grace being poured out for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Apart from that, you and I, anyone else in this whole world has no hope for salvation. We have no hope. We have no hope for standing righteous before a holy God. And we will, in case you forgot, stand before a holy God in judgment one day. What's your hope? What's your hope to go on trial before a God who knows all, sees all, understands all, understands that even some of the good things you do, your heart wasn't right. It was for show. You wanted to get noticed. How are you going to stand before a holy God, not the God in a comfortable box, a holy God with any kind of confidence, with any kind of hope? That's the gospel. God loves you so much he sent his only son to die for you and your sin and my sin, so that if we just put our trust in him, our belief in him, we will not die, but we will have eternal life. Heaven's door will be kicked open for you because of the gospel. You need to know the difference between the gospel and the law. It has nothing to do with your morality. It has nothing to do with how good I am, all the religious things I do. It's not enough. It's not preacher's opinion here, or Martin Luther or the other reformer's opinion. It's the apostle Paul. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to know the difference between law and gospel. So the first use of the law is a curb. It creates order. It's called civil laws in deeper kinds of texts on this, if you ever happen across it and read it. It's a curb that keeps cars where cars are supposed to be and off of the flowers and the gardens and the bushes. It's a blessing. 
Although sometimes we mess up. Instead of loving others and hating what is wrong and holding tightly to what is good, we go the opposite way. And just because we know the Ten Commandments doesn't mean we follow them. Take a close look at that picture. No swimming. You will be eaten by a crocodile. Oh, it's all good. I'm going to go jump in. I'll be fine. And I just summarized the history of Israel for you throughout the whole Old Testament. They knew the laws. They had the covenant. And then God realized it isn't enough. They need the gospel. They need me to come to them because they can't get up to me. They can't do it. We, not just them. We can't do it. Spiritual perfection is not a station that we're going to arrive at this side of heaven. We need a God to come down and rescue us and save us. We don't want to be the people drowning in the deep end of the pool and the lifeguard jumps in and while we're about eight feet under the surface of the water for about four minutes, the lifeguard comes, I'm here to save you. are like, no, I'm good. But that's what we do if we say, I don't need grace. I've graduated from it. That, that was just that simple thing that got me started on Christianity. And now I want to talk about holiness and sanctification and, and, and all the disciplines and all the things that I do. You've got to know the difference between law and gospel. There's a place for the law. It's an important place. It curbs us. But knowing the Ten Commandments is one thing. Learning to apply them and live them out is something altogether better. Second use of the law, and the most important use, is it's a mirror. Not just a curb, but a mirror that tells us the truth. It's an honest mirror. It's hard to look at sometimes. It tells us the truth of who we are. This is called the spiritual use of the law. Paul writes in Romans 3, the same Paul who says, by God's grace, the law can't save us, but Paul isn't dismissing the law. He says, through the law, we, became, we become conscious of our sin. Four chapters later in Romans 7, he says, if I didn't know the law, I wouldn't know I need the cross. And, I, and it would be minimized for me. I said, oh, it's just this religious thing. Instead of when you see a cross, you say, that's the thing that I need. My mom, who's brilliant and, and was a theologian, really, taught me this when I was young. And she got it from somewhere else, but she says, Mike, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You don't have any friends who need God's grace more than you do. And if you get that and you apply it, you're teachable and changeable. It starts to change the way you live. It changes the trajectory of the lane you're running in. Because you start to see the world differently. I didn't earn God's salvation any more than anybody else can. My friends who might be hoodlums or corrupt or, or, or just blatantly publicly immoral... The ground's level for them and for me and for you too. No matter how religious you are, how Christian you are, how moral you are. All of us have sinned and fall short of the standard of God, the Bible says. All of us like sheep have gone astray and we need a shepherd to bring us back into the pen. All of us, daily. We don't graduate from needing God's amazing grace. We need to know the difference between the law and the gospel. The gospel saves the law, among other things, tells us we need a savior. Do we then overthrow the law through this faith, Paul writes? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold it. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish them. I'm not throwing them out. I'm not here, the new covenant, to tell you that the Ten Commandments no longer apply. In fact, Jesus went on in that same Sermon on the Mount to feature several of them. And say, if anything, let me raise the bar. And tell you there's an even higher law here. 
You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I, I say to you, don't even look at somebody with lust in your eye or you're guilty of the sin of adultery. He makes it more inclusive. He makes the law broader. And he helps us understand that all of us are sinners. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We need to know the difference between the law and the gospel. And then that leads to the third use. Once we've received God's amazing grace in this gospel, we don't graduate from it and move on never to go back. We return to it daily, but as we live it out for the sake of mission, for the sake of expanding God's kingdom and making heaven more crowded, and also for the sake of blessing others, and in the process, we get blessed. I will guarantee you that that kicker will remember for a long time that Jake Remsburg came up to him and put his arm around him and said, I'm still your teammate. We got you. you. Just had a bad day. Shake it off. I'll guarantee you the kicker will remember that. But I'll also guarantee you that that blesses Jake because he's in the lane that God created him to run in. Even more than God created him to be an offensive lineman. God created him in that moment to be the guy who put his arm around the kicker. And say, I got you. We still love you. Your performance doesn't change our relationship. Now that's grace. And that's what God gives to us. And so he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The law is a curb, it's a mirror, and it's a map that shows us the way, the GPS coordinates. Here's how you get there. Here's your step-by-step -step instructions. And here's the first one, have no other gods. And this is where we get too comfortable. We say things like, I'm pretty good there. My friend Mitch Trapila in Great Falls, Montana. My dad was a pastor of a Lutheran church there. Mitch's family was devout Catholic. And we were best buddies. Hung out with our, our friends, Jim Fick and Kirk Kenzel and Tom Lennon. I mean, that was, that was the crew. We'd get on our bikes from Sears with the banana seats. Those were awesome. <laughs> we'd ride them to the mini golf course together on the northwest side of Great Falls. And, and we'd be lining up there. And then one day we're there and Mitch says to me and everybody else, says, hey, I'm studying the Ten Commandments at my church. He's like, you know, fourth grade. And Lutherans get to that in confirmation. So I'm like, Ten Commandments, I don't know. He goes, there's, there's ten. I knew there were Ten Commandments, but he, he says, you know, I've looked at them, I've studied them, and, and I'm keeping nine of them. <laughs> I was too young. I didn't know. I didn't know how to argue. He says, like the first one, no other gods. He goes, I do not have a golden cap at home that I put on my dresser, and I bow down and worship, so I'm good. I'm not worshiping any false idols. Check. Let's move on to the second one. Do not use God's name in vain. OMG, I never do that. That's next week. That was just a little teaser for next week. No other gods. We get a little too comfortable here until we realize what the Bible's talking about. No other gods. Nothing in your life more important than God, than your walk with God. Not money, not fame, not status and power by getting the corner office at work. Nothing wrong with getting the corner office at work or being famous or having tons and tons of money. But when we make it bigger than God, huh, we'll miss the abundant life. Isn't that ironic? We'll miss the joy. We'll miss the peace. We'll miss the point. That's the problem with other gods. No matter how glittery they are, 
how attractive they are, how powerful they are, how, how much attention we get for it. it, it oh, really? We're not supposed to put family ahead of God? How many times do you hear people say, family first? I know, I get it. It's, it's like second. Does that help? You really want to do something good for your family? Put God first. Put God above your family. Make God more important than you, your love for God more important than your love for family because you're going to love your family more, more effectively and better if you love God first. If we put spouses or kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews or sisters or brothers uh, on top of our relationship with God, we can't be as good for them. We won't be. This is the way God's ordered it. And because he loves us, he says, this is really important. But it's not as important as your faith. It just isn't. Being TikTok or YouTube famous, there's nothing wrong with it. Until it becomes your thing, like if I did that, then I'd be full. Fashion, you know, my thing. That would be, you know, could become a god. I've been on the rooms and hospices and hospitals where people are dying more than the average person. Kind of comes with the job description. I never once have heard anybody said on their deathbed, I wish my fashion had been better. I wish I would have had more power at work. I wish I would have made more money. I wish I would have gotten bigger biceps. I, I, I wish I would have been more famous. I wish I had more followers on TikTok. Never once. Never once. Now I'm a pastor, so maybe it's a little bit skewed, but you know what I hear a lot? I don't know if I'm good with God. How do I know I'm good with God? How do I know? And they say, let me tell you the difference between law and gospel. I got good news for you. God loves you so much. And his grace is for you. Trust it. Believe it. And you're good with God. Even for sinners. Even for people who say, this is my God. If I could only live there, that would be awesome. But it makes a lousy God. You ever vacation in a place like that? That's sweet. Someday I would love to go to a... That'd be, that'd be the bomb. It's not God. It's not as good. No other gods. Friends, live for your friends. Follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. And you'll be better for your friends. The Hawkeyes, I wanted to be equal here. I talk about cyclones when I talk about the Hawkeyes. Is this your God? Being the valedictorian? Top of your kids being the valedictorian? Getting straight A's? Please, don't misunderstand my heart. Having goals, having objectives, reaching your potential. If you're a straight A brain, go for it. Get straight A's. It'd be sinful if you didn't. If you didn't use the gift of the brain that God has given to you to take it as far as you can go for the glory of God. But it's for the glory of God, not the glory of you. It's for the glory of God, not for the glory of you. Everything on this list should be for the glory of God, not for the glory of you or for the glory of me. And when we get that right, we hit our stride. So this final verse, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives. Then you'll hit your groove. Then you'll find it. Because it's about God this life. And about giving God glory in everything that we do. I'll turn it over to the campuses in just a moment, not yet. 
My favorite thing that we've done over the last couple of years as a church is when we shared a family meal together. About 20-some years ago, I came home after another late-night meeting at church, and my wife sat me down, and she screamed at me, and she yelled at me. She says, how dare you be gone so much? (laughs) I'm kidding. You know Sally. She'd never do that. (laughs) She took out the calendar, and she very lovingly and gently walked me through it. She had to go back 23 days to find the last time I was home for dinner in the whole night. convicted. She didn't have to say one more word. I said, okay, that's got to change. That's a problem. Once in a while, it's ministry. We work nights and weekends. Sometimes those are going to be gone. But 23 days in a row, 23 nights in a row, 23 dinners in a row. So the next night I broke bread with my family. You know how wonderful that was? How much joy And then John and Danny started fighting and we grounded them. But it was great until, (laughs) you know, because we aren't going to get perfect this side of heaven. So we get in line for this meal, which is another family meal. My favorite moment in hope over the last two years was the first time we did communion like this. Nothing wrong with the chip and dip ones, you know, you peel back the, the little thing and you get it. It still counts. Still just as real. There's something about seeing the family in motion. Look around the room. This is your family. Sisters and brothers in Christ. If you don't know them, it's time to get to know them. Time to get into a group. Find your place. There's a place for you here at Hope. Find your family within this larger, small city of a church called Hope. Find your connection with each other and with God. That's the Ten Commandments. They're about relationships. Stay on that path and you aren't on it, get on it. But the Lord has commanded you and if you do, you'll find the joy. You'll find the peace. You'll find the life. Now I'll turn it over to the campus pastors for the Lord's Supper. Invite the communion service to come to their stations here. We've got a bunch of stations. This whole thing only takes a few minutes. But it's really important. The night in which is betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, broke it, gave thanks, and gave it for all to eat, saying, Take and eat, this is my body, given for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this to remember me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this to remember me. Let's say our table grace before the Lord's Supper. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The table is set. The ushers will direct you to the nearest station to come and eat. Take the piece of bread and receive that, the body of Christ. Take the cup of wine or white grape juice. The wine is red, the grape juice is white and is non-alcoholic. Choose accordingly. Uh, We have gluten-free or allergy-free stations over in the corners over there. Just look for the signs. More importantly, open your heart. Get in line with me because we need it. We need to know the difference between law and gospel. This is gospel. Let God's love pour out for you so that you go out and live according to his map. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come and get it.